I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. to another edition of the Lost Words podcast. It's our DFS show with Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey, Tom. How's it going? Yeah, I'm really well. I, I'm worried that we're going to lose you soon. Um, you know, the the basketball uh, prowess that you have going on right now, 13-0, and 0, uh, you know, great job, buddy. And, uh, you know, <laughs> thank I, you, thank I, I know the two words don't collide very often, but uh, it's great to hear that's going well, and uh, we wish you all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. So uh, keep that up. Um pretty decent week last week for for Tory. um you know you you were all over jason day i know you had a big ticket on him which was a shame that didn't work out right um and it was a good week right it was a good tournament just from a from a fan's perspective like it was enjoyable it was good to see luke list get his first victory albeit coming at the expense of my will zalatoris ticket um but you know i think he won the tournament as opposed to zalatoris losing it and I think that's all you can ask for when you lose, right? Is the other guy comes out and takes it from you. So, all in all, a pretty good week there. Yeah, it was good. Um, it was nice to see, nice to see Luke List win. I, uh, you know, having a Rose and Day ticket, it wasn't as nice because I thought huh. Rose could have easily been in the playoff if he just. I think he probably thought he needed Eagle there. I, um, I saw some speculation about that, and then you had Day who got to 15 under, then backed up, and so it was. You know, it's tough being in the mix, but you got to have thick skin in this game, and. Uh, we move on. Yeah, I think you know it's just, it's just one of those things, right? You, you know, there's going to be a couple of bad beats each year, and you know, if, if you're if you're getting it right and the process is right and you're getting close, then uh, I think that's the main thing you can ask for. So, um, pretty happy with how things have been going the first few weeks on here, and uh, we go on to now the the final multi-course rotation, which I must admit I like the edge that you can get on it. I think it's good that if you because you look at like course and current form, right? And and it's everyone can kind of look at those numbers, right? And especially from like a, a first round leader article that I hope to get out eventually when the tee times are out. There's certain players that can play one of the three courses really, really well, and then they might struggle at the other two or whatever. And especially with like showdown, and, and maybe this would be relevant. Well, it'd be a lot more relevant when we know the tee times and the weather and things like that. But I think there's there is an edge that you can get at these three courses, but it is also a massive headache at times. Yeah, it's not enjoyable to watch, and it's not enjoyable to. I mean, I, I know you can get an edge, but I, you know, usually don't. I like, because um, I don't like having to factor in that part of the equation. I just yeah. want to think about who I like for the week, and it's just an added layer that could back. It's just another another way to another thing that can backfire on you. That that that's the thing. Like, I I will talk myself out of guys maybe because oh their their results are heavily weighted towards. Monterey Peninsula and a low round there, like a, you know, Sun Kang shot a 60 at Monterey and, and did nothing the rest of the week. So he's not actually any good here. And then, albeit he'll he'll go on and finish top 20 this week at a really low price. So that those are the sort of things I think you're sort of talking upon there. That things that can go wrong uh, in that kind of way of thinking. So I think, like you say, it's probably best to to keep it simple. Like I think ultimately, if you're good in this format and you're good on this type of grass, the Poana. You're good at coastal tracks, regardless. If you're, if it's your week, you'll make it work at these four, uh, three courses, right? Right, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I'm glad it's the last one, but I think we you know one more week is it is what it is, and um, you know we'll we'll see what we can do. 
I think as long as the coverage is better this time where they do, I think I've been hearing a lot of good things about sort of the PGA Tour Live and, and the coverage from that. So maybe they can get away, keep the you know, the main broadcast for these kind of, um, you know, whoever it is, you know, goal swings, Josh Allen's goal swing, they're going to break down this week. Like, that's fine. People <laughs> want to see that, right? But there's some people that just want to watch the golf. So if they can kind of do both and please both sides of things, and that's great because I'd never want this to be removed from the schedule. Like, I wouldn't want it to like suddenly just become four rounds at Pebble Beach, right? I, I quite like the three-course thing every now and then. It just feels like once you've done it, you've had RSM, that was like two. Then you've had the Amex is three. Then you've had Tory Pines is two. Then you've had this is three. It kind of, it's almost like it's two bunched together and you get kind of fatigued by it, I think. Yeah, I personally would love it if they had four rounds at Tory and four rounds at Pebble Beach. I know you can't because of the time of year and the daylight, but... yeah. Um, I would I would like that a lot better because think about Pebble Beach you could have different weather on different days and you could see different guys and not just that one group they're kind of focusing on that on that Saturday and for me that would be preferable but I understand both sides of it and from from a you know like you say there the weather can dictate things so much and and that's something that I think people need to keep an eye on this week especially um, you know you don't want to be out on Pebble on the windiest day and you know spyglass if it's really windy you'd rather be there because it's tree lined and things like that so there's certainly factors to that which is again I kind of like that a little bit but. It's also draw luck, right? I mean, I was hoping by the time we did this show, we did it a little bit later on a Tuesday, obviously, that we might have some tea times, but we don't, despite the uh, early finish. So there we go. Those are the things. Um, one point of reference, Will Zalatoris is out. Um, he has got COVID-19. Um, so he is out for the week, which, you know, if you're betting on it, then you probably want to get your bets in now before the prices are adjusted. Uh, but for DraftKings, Matt, it doesn't really affect us. So we've got, um, you know, three guys. Uh, above 10k and that's Patrick Cantley at 11,200, Daniel Berger 10,500 and Jordan Spieth 10,300. Um, I'm going to plant my flag and just say that I'm fading Jordan Spieth. Um, yeah. I, it's worrying, isn't it? It is worrying because, you know, even when he hasn't been playing well, he's still come here and done good things. So, and he's not playing well at all, but I'm kind of of the mind this season that Spieth, uh, he really just sucked at golf for about three years and he had a nice little hot stretch, and I think he might be back to the other thing. And I hate to say it, and I'm not, I'm not a big speed fan, but I just think he might not be that great again. And I, um, I think the good stretch was more of an outlier than his poor start to the year. Yeah, like I think when, you know when we saw him because he came off the back of a good round at Phoenix here last time, right? And he shot that 61 on the Saturday kind of regressed on the Sunday as you do normally after shooting a 61, um, and he kind of rode that in here, but he's, he's still lost in untypical Spieth fashion, right? There's a bunch of guys behind him. I know Berger played well on the final day, but he normally would convert that at his peak. So um, I think it's just desperation. Like People love playing Jordan Spieth. People love Jordan Spieth. And I absolutely get that. He's a you know great figure in the game. He's been really good for four or five years, just right at the top of the game, winning majors. It's, it's exciting, right, when Jordan Spieth's playing good golf. But I think people... I think people are making excuses for him because he's just had a child and he's he's been getting over the swing things and, and they just think that's all going to change. I, I, suddenly, I just don't think it is. Like I think even even if he has a top 10 here this week, that's not really good enough, is it, for this kind of price? No, no, it isn't. And uh, one thing I will say, well, two things I'll say. First of all, the Tuesday recording actually helped us a lot with ownership because I think we're getting pretty accurate numbers at this point um, instead of just our kind of preliminary thoughts and with ownership. And then also... As I agree with everything you're saying about speed, I'm not playing him, but it's looking like he's going to be the pivot if you want to pivot off these high-priced guys. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. And I, 
I kind of wanted to start with Patrick Cantlay and, and build some lineups with him, but listening to the ownership and looking into that, and you know, I, I don't know if I, I really want to do that, especially with a high price. I I am going to be. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's. I just think he's a lock. He's. It's so hard to see him not come in top five. I know there's a lot of variance here because you got the different courses and you might have a weather split and all these different things, but he's just as safe as it gets right now. I mean, his last four starts, he was top tens. Um, West Coast is when you want to play him. Uh, I like playing him on the West Coast. Uh, and I just think, you know, he got up to that fast start last year. It's just difficult just for me to uh, see him not playing well. And the ownership is probably going to be somewhat high, but no one is crazy high this week. I mean, I'm seeing McNeely as the highest owned guy. Can't lay second, but it's still probably 20%. It's not that like we've seen like upwards to 30 with Rom in the last couple of weeks. So it's not going to be that. I think it's pretty spread out because guys are playing Berger, guys are playing again McNeely, Day, Tringali. It's just it's a bit more spread out this week. Would any would those projections have taken in Zalatoris's withdrawal yet, or is that still to come? Because I'm guessing a lot of people will pivot off to him and have to make a decision as well. He, he originally was one of the highest, and he's at this point he's down to 9%. So it, most of it, not all, but a good amount of it has been factored in already. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, look, in terms of the ownership on Maverick McNeely, I, I do want to go elsewhere. I know he's great, right? And I know he's second and fifth. And, but you're, you just have to make decisions, right? You, you have to do it. And Jason Day's here at 9,900. Justin Rose is 9,600. Are you going back to the world either of those two? Yes, um, definitely on on Rose. I'm I'm going on Rose. He was my uh, bet to win. I know a lot of people like him to win, yeah. but he he's just trending, and I've been on him for the past three weeks, and he's gotten better and better, and he's trending towards a win. You can't get off of him now. It's just he's um, he'll probably be in the 16, 18 percent range, which is pretty high. But that 9600 isn't so low that it's going to be 25 percent. Um, yeah, and he's he's playing too well to ignore, and he's he's finally he's at a course now where. You know, last week he played great, but I like him better on a shorter course where he doesn't have to try to keep up with all these young guns in terms of distance and can just kind of play his game. Yeah, I think that was the thing, right? Like when he was winning at Torrey Pines, he was among the longer hitters. He was strong and powerful. You know, there wasn't people just blasting it past him. Now all of a sudden it is. And I don't know. I mean, like, I still think he's competitive everywhere, right? And that's why he did what he did last week. But this feels like a, an event Justin Rose should win. Do you know what I mean? Like, and he hasn't. And, but he's played well at Pebble, you know, a couple of times in this event at the US Open, he was up there, and it just feels like now this is the sort of things that should be clicking off at this part of his career. Yeah, last 24 rounds uh, in strokes gained total on par 72s under 7,200 yards, so these shorter par 72s, uh, he's 10th in strokes gained total, so he plays these short courses well. And the, and the 5.4 strokes on approach in only two measured rounds at Torrey Pines was what really stood out to me. I mean, he's had the short game going, he's got the hot part of the last couple of years, but he hasn't really strung together and mixed that with uh, great ball striking. So I think now's the time for him to strike. And, you know, th those two, obviously, strokes gained rounds are, are both at the south course, right? So that's, you know, really impressive yes. for him to have those yep. uh, two, uh, two good rounds there. So um, it's, it's tough. Like, I I don't know. I mean, I actually started my betting card with Kevin Kisner, right, at, at 9,000. So... I mean, I could probably start there and just fight these whole guys, but I don't want to necessarily do that. I don't think you need to either. Like, uh, But I'm pretty comfortable with starting kind of Justin Rose and Kevin Gisner. That that would give me a, a good start, I think. I, I think so. I mean, we do probably have to talk about um, Jason Day here because he's 
It's a very difficult decision for me just because I've been on him again. Like last week, I had 100 to 1. I played him in DraftKings, all these things, and it all went very well. And he seems to be playing, you know, trending towards where he used to be. But And, and you, you have to love that he's not grimacing when he goes to pick the ball up or he's not showing any signs of being in pain uh, after after taking shots and, you know, hitting driver. And all that stuff is very good. The, the problem is... We're paying a steep, steep, steep price this week in right. terms of betting in in the odds in the uh, DraftKings. He's probably going to be top six, top seven in ownership. Not, you know, not incredibly bad because that's a high price. But what do you do with him? I don't know. I'm still torn. It's it's one of those things, right? That I, I just won't bet him. Like that's a certainty. Like I know it's one of those ones where like he the reason he's twenty to one is because he's shown what he could do last week. He's shown that when he plays his courses at the moment he's still competing so you can't say well, right well he was 100 to 1 last week he's 20 to 1 this week and that's just not value because it's value changes as the week goes on like if he proves himself then he proves mm-hmm. himself and you, and you go so oh not necessarily for that reason i just i just don't think i need to bet jason day at 21 like kevin kisner was 50 to 1 i don't think he's twice as likely to win than than kevin kisner is at this precise moment in time we're talking about jason day of 2015 2016 it's a different story obviously but then he would have been 10 to 1 so it, it's it's one of those things I, I don't know I think I think the smarter play is Justin Rose I think eventually Jason Day's like form's got to tally off here a little bit like can he just keep clicking off top 7 finishes um, you know just back to back to back and, and I think the weird thing is that he shouldn't play well here right like people joke that he plays well because it's slower and he likes slow play, but eventually his back has got to hurt after those length of rounds, regardless of whether he's in good shape or not. Right, and you know you'd think when when he was great, obviously he played well everywhere. So I think some of that gets lost. I think some of the new newer uh, people in the you know the golf betting world don't really realize that you know for two or three years he was the closest thing to Tiger Woods we've ever gotten in the, yeah. in the era, uh, and and how good he actually was. I mean he played well everywhere. He won everything. Um, so. I, I think that's part of it. But the one thing that concerns me about fading him is just that he finishes top seven here even when he was in pain, even when he yeah. was having a horrible season. Like, and now that he's playing well, it's just, it's a little bit concerning for me. But I'm not going to say I'm fading him, but I'm, I'm not going to bet him at the 20 because that's just too rich for my blood. But I think I might get him in a lineup or two. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I will not advocate just leaving jason day out completely like i think that's a really bold move and i think any shares that you have in justin rose you could just easily just go to jason day in another lineup and it's basically the same thing right i'm guessing in terms of not there's not much difference i imagine in ownership i haven't got that in front of me but it it feels like the only, the only thing from a betting perspective is like he's played so well here in the past every year and still hasn't won and from a from a complete if, if he was my top guy as the first one in then i'd be a little bit concerned that he's not paying off at the 9900 but i guess you could you could argue you don't need him to at that price yeah i'm, I'm with you i'm with you um and then I, i'll just speak real quick on kisner i i know you like him i've seen you know a lot of it makes sense but to me and you probably might be able to prove me wrong on this but you know we sometimes we think about a narrative and we just stick to it and to me yeah. it's like kisner on the west coast is just not a place where i want to back kevin kisner yeah no i completely understand that and the, the kind of the reason I'm going with it is one of those ones where like I'm going against my gut in it and I think that like I expect his results to be better here like I don't expect him to compete at Tory and I don't expect him to compete at the Amex really and, and the things that I have the Fortinet and places like that I just 
I expect him to compete well here. The main reason being is I, I like the link to kind of Wyndham Championship. There's a lot of kind of crossover between the two events. Um, I'm not going to go into it because it, it takes too long and it might not even be relevant. But there's a lot of guys, if you look at the both leaderboards, they kind of cross over. So I think that he should play it better than he has. He has still played it decently. Um, you know, he's got that kind of top 10 finish. And, and even when he was 28th right... Um, two or three years ago he was third after day one eighth after day two my biggest fear with kevin kisner is actually that the format just doesn't suit him like he's such a he's such a unique guy like he's not just a an agreeable golfer that will just chat it up with a ceo ceo and just have a great time like if he doesn't get the right pro-am partner he is probably gonna be fed up to be there Like he doesn't just want to spend seven hours with someone he doesn't have anything in common with so if he's got a guy that loves you know college football and he loves hunting or whatever and he can chat it up with that guy then i think he'll have a really good week so it's a it's a little bit of the, and i think he's just playing better than he's actually being given credit for and i know people are kind of giving him the credit but i think there's more to it than that like that performance at the century tournament champions was just so impressive from a point of view that one he was not in the best of form wasn't performing at the courses you expect him to like the rsm and then he just went there and, and really didn't have any right to compete and just had a, a, an incredibly strong iron week there. Yeah, and you know what? He, you're getting an, uh, a big-time ownership discount. I mean, you're looking at 6-7% for him, so I, I like to play. I mean, I like to play in theory. I like the course fit in theory. I'm not going to do it, but I completely get what, what you're doing, and it could definitely pay off if, uh, if he plays well. It's just one of those ones where, like, you're going to hear this a lot. Like, I, I stayed away from trends this week because I've kind of found them a little bit paralyzing. Uh, in the past, but mm-hmm. there's this kind of this trend that you know they've had a recent top ten or a, a top ten in the last three starts here, and that doesn't quite qualify that for that. But he has had a top ten on this course, and that's enough for me to just think right, that is the right decision. Like even when he was 28th, he was inside the top ten and had one bad day effectively. Because I think people don't realise quite how tough because the, the course itself or the, the course setups between the three of them isn't so hard. It can get tough on a Sunday, and I don't think people give that enough credit. Um, so Kevin Kisner would be my kind of one that I'm going to that, that I wouldn't necessarily do that and I think it's like you say with the ownership there uh, it's a really appealing prospect especially when you've got like Power Tringali Fitz like they're all going to be pop- Strillman they're all going to be really popular around him right not Fitz Fitz is basically going unowned completely really okay yeah well, then that might be a play because I stayed off of him uh, in terms of betting because I don't like him coming in cold I don't think that I want to just... This is his first start of the year, right? And he's been doing some sort of adjustments and tweaking, and, and that concerns me a little bit. And I think that, that people were desperate to play Matt Fitzpatrick here because like they believe he should be good in the wind. And he's never played that well at an Open Championship like that you'd expect him to. In the two-start series, he's been miscut in the sixth year. So are you going to Matt Fitzpatrick just based on quality and the fact that he's going to be so alone? Uh, it's, it's scary. I, I I had him in a lineup, and then I took him out this morning. And then just as you were talking, I thought about putting him back in. Um, I'm back and forth on it. I mean, the ownership is four or five percent. Um, yeah. And he's and obviously you'd think in theory it's a great course for him, right? He, guys can get hot with a putter, shorter off the tee, whatever. Um, but it, if you look at his career, he's played longer courses as well. I mean, right. of course, uh, API has been great. I just. I'm probably just not going to. I and he hasn't played yet this year, and that's the concerning part too. Um, what's he? Was he playing in 
over on the DP World Tour? I don't think so. So right? he he played the he played the DP World Tour Championship in um, October November time, and he and he finished second there, right? Uh, you know, towards the end, it was twenty first November was when he played that, um, and he played the Hero World Challenge, but he was twelfth in like a twenty man field, so it was it wasn't really good enough for me. Um, yeah, I, I just don't like him off of that kind of break, but. Yeah, that, I, I, I'm not sure what to do. I think, like you say, it should fit, and everything I've just said about Kevin Kisner is that it should fit, and maybe we're just looking at it the wrong way, but he's kind of played it twice and, and shown he doesn't like it, so I'm a little bit concerned. Yeah, probably a no for me anyway, despite the ownership. Yeah, cool. Let's um, let's move down. So Kevin Strillman, obviously, is going to, you know, you have to kind of talk about him at Pebble Beach. Like, he's going to be popular. He's going to be highly owned, I imagine. Um, what do you do with Kevin Strill? Um, I'm not playing him. I never really play him. He's probably going to be 16, 17% owned. Um, he's just, his price compared to the guys around him, he just, like, I'm not playing Kisner, but I'd rather play Kisner than Streelman because I just think he's, his ceiling is higher. I know Streelman has showed it. He has a pretty high ceiling um, at this place, and but I don't think he's going to win. And um, uh, I just, it's a good, it's a good place for me to get leverage, and I'm not overly concerned about fading him. I, could bite me in the butt, but we'll see. Well, I think I think the thing is as well, like we're so used to seeing Kevin Strillman here because he's always in that kind of winning program team or contending in the program team. But his individual results are good, like and they're solid, but they're not nine k range that I need to jump to him. Um, so I'm pretty happy to go against uh, Kevin Strillman there. What do you think about Ryan Palmer? Um, he is looking like a, a nice pivot as well. Uh, Eighty nine hundred, um, six about. Five six percent owned, I would guess, and um, I would much rather play him than Streelman. Obviously, he's, you know, Streelman doesn't have a three times amount uh, chance of playing well here than Palmer does because he's been playing pretty well. But um, I mean, I'm one of my favorite plays is a guy right near them, so I'm probably going to not play either of them because um, I'm trying to get Rose in most of my lineups and and Lanto Griffin. So I, I I think Palmer's a decent pivot, but um, he's not going to be for me. Uh, so give me that play that you really like then. Uh, Lanto Griffin. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know so, it's. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's going to be somewhat popular. I mean, but he's expensive. Um, I don't think too many people want to pay eighty eight hundred for him. So I think he'll probably be in the ten to thirteen percent um, range. But I mean, you just look at what he's doing. It's just a perfect spot for him. He was, he was third at the American Express, which I think is more of a comp for this than Tory Pines, obviously. Um, and he was ninth here in twenty twenty, so he fits that top ten a uh, little trend that that everyone's talking about uh gained 3.4 strokes putting that week so i think you know guys who like pebble greens uh tend to like them on a consistent basis and i, I mentioned that stat earlier about par 72 is under 7200 yards um he is fourth in that stat and then i love that he's got a 65 on sunday at tory i think uh sometimes i like going for guys who are coming in hot and can carry the momentum to the following week yeah i mean i was kind of already on lance griffin ahead of the week like i was I was on him last week, and and I wanted to be on him again this week because I just felt like it was a good sort of like back-to-back event for him. And and in the end, you like almost once he was out of it, you're almost cursing the 65 on the final day because you realise that's going to give a bit of an uptick uh, in results, right? But I don't think it's going to be over the top because, like you say, um, you know he's, he's not exactly cheap, but he's had that ninth place finish uh, at this event uh, two years ago now, and he's really good 
on uh, Spyglass Hill, which which I liked. You know, shot 67 there. And when you look, like he's one on a so that's a Robert Trent Jones Senior design, right? Uh, he designed the course that he won on the Corn Ferry, and his son Reese Jones uh, designed the course that he won on on the PJ Tour at Houston. So I know that's only one of the three courses, but that's the toughest of the three courses most of the time. So I think if he can gain a few strokes there, and then just he's been playing so well that I just think that he can take advantage of the, the Montreux Peninsula and uh, the Pebble Beach courses. Absolutely, he's one of my favorite players. Brian Harmon, I never ever want to play Brian Harmon. Um, I never want to bet on him. I never want to play him in, in fantasy ever. I just always think he's kind of overpriced, overowned at times, just overhyped because of something he's done in the past. But I quietly looked at him this week. Like I thought he was overpriced at 8,600, which kind of felt like to me like there was going to be a little drop in ownership. And he was 39th here last time, uh, 11th after round one. And just, I think he's getting his sort of putting mojo back a little bit. Uh, which is huge for just kind of getting those little birdie streaks going. Uh, he was ninth two weeks ago in passing strokes gained. So to me, I just thought that maybe Brian Harmon was someone that was interesting to go to in this range. Uh, I agree with you. I, I, you know, looking at it, his third place at the American Express was pretty impressive considering he gained almost five strokes on approach in, in just two measured rounds, and which typically is not really how he gets things done. So, you know, but the question is, is that an outlier? You know, previous to that, he lost strokes on approach in nine straight events. Um, yeah. So I, I'm worried it, it was just a, a good week for him. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be tough for me to actually play him because, again, I want to get Griffin in the lineups and I'm, I'm going to construct in different ways. And I like a lot of the guys in the 7K range. So uh, it makes some sense to me. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm the same as you. I don't really like playing him that often. So unless I really feel like I have to I'm probably not going to no that makes sense it's one of those it's just I just thought it was an interesting name if, if someone like a Tom Hoagie's been very popular this week and I've, I've bet Tom Hoagie I think he's got a great chance of you know he was right in contention here last year two back after 54 holes one bag swing took him out of the uh, the top 10 so I think he's a good play but I imagine he's gonna be popular Tom Hoagie he is he is uh looking like got him would you ever think Tom Hoagie be at 8500 would be 14% ownership. Yeah, see, like um, that's where I think the biggest difference between betting and fancy is I don't care if there's a million people out there that's betting on Tom Hokie as long as I get the price that I want, right? But when it comes to to DFS, you need to consider that. So I think he's a good betting player if you like his chances of winning. But in terms of Tom Hokie 8500 you've got to pay out for him and everybody else is doing it at the same time. That doesn't appeal to me so much. You're paying twice, right? You're paying in ownership, and you're and you're paying in price. So I like to avoid those situations, and I'm, that's the same. I feel the same way about Streelman. Could he could he do well? Absolutely. He's shown he's shown that he could, and he has the form and all that. And Hoagie, same thing. But uh, I'm not paying twice for for Tom Hoagie. I've got one more guy that I really want to focus down on the 8K range. Is there any others that you want to speak on? Um, let me just see. Bez. No, I'm, I mean for me, I'm, my build is kind of looking at. A couple of guys at the top and skipping down to the sevens for the most part if I'm not playing Lanto. Um, there's no one really else I'm, I'm incredibly interested in. I, I, I want to know, uh, I don't know if you've got it in front of you, but the projections for Matt Jones. I uh, do have them all in front of me. Um, low, very low. 8K for Matt Jones is going to allow you some freedom in your lineups. And he is sneakily like really, really good here. Like 7th, 11th, 23rd, 5th. Um, he was 34th last year. And he just... He has that kind of ability to take advantage 
um, of Montreux Peninsula. I think he's played very well in the past. Um, you know, he's just had these kind of like spike rounds here. Like he's had a six, like three 66s, uh, a Montreux Peninsula of 65. He shot multiple rounds of 67 at Pebble Beach. Like to me, that's a guy that I want in my lineups. And it just surprises me that he's going to be low owned considering, you know, very recently he just basically broke scoring records and, and still can get the ties, you know, get the ties at the tournament champions. I know he's had two missed cuts. Um, and the one at the Hawaii, I thought he was quite easy to fade. And, and Tory, like him, you know, missing the cut at Tory just doesn't bother me in the slightest. It doesn't strike me as a place he's going to do well at. He made 11 birdies last week to his seven bogeys, so it wasn't like he played terribly. Um, and I'm quite happy to put him back in here. Yeah, I, I like to play a lot. I thought about betting him, then I saw he was like 40 or 50 to 1, which doesn't yeah. do it for me. But but the 8K, I, I do like a lot, and I, I think I'll, I'll probably get to him in some lineups. Um, I was thinking about it, but you, you're kind of pushing me over the edge here. Only concern is approach has been off lately. Um, and when you saw him, you know, when he won it at the Honda, he was just absolutely dialed in. Uh, but I do like, you know, the, the Aussies love the West Coast in playing yeah. Cal- California. And I think um, when he's on, right, he can kind of just put it in the fairway and get hot with the irons. And I could see that happening this week for sure. I like to play. Like, he strikes me as this guy that, like, you see it like Riviera, you saw it the Honda. Like, he just, like, he's not someone that telegraphs like you spoke about last week about people telegraphing their good play and you said it was kind of about Cameron Champ mm-hmm. people like that. he doesn't like you just don't know when it's going to happen and I don't need to see his strokes gain approach numbers being great if they're horrendously worrying then obviously you have to kind of pay attention but when you're talking about like coming off a really strong week at the tournament champions and, and struggling in Hawaii don't care um, when you're talking about struggling at Tory Pines don't care like I will just take him in this because I think that his wedge game is going to be absolutely fine, and he's going to make a boatload of putts. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, the more I'm looking at it, I'm probably going to have to pivot off some of these guys onto him because I like a lot of the guys between 7,600 and, and 8K, and um, some of those guys are kind of getting up there in ownership. So I'm, And those are guys that I've bet, so I might have those be bet only and, and kind of shift to him in, in some DK. I think it's a good idea. I guess the only the narrative to, between Matt Jones is that he likes to play faster. These are seven-hour rounds, but I can't. I can't rule out someone that makes so much sense just based on something sort of trivial as that. So um, Cupid may work hard in February, but our friends at Manscaped are working harder than ever to ensure that your Valentine's Day is one to remember. Don't turn this day of romance into Independence Day this year and get in control with their Performance Package 4.0, which includes a signature lawnmower. This February, join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code LFW20. That is LFW20 on the Lost for Words podcast. Contrary to popular belief, love is not blind when you can't see past the love jungle. Folks, we know how important it is to have clean, fresh golf balls, but it is also your balls that we must prioritise on Valentine's Day. And the Performance Package 4.0 will leave you with more dating app notifications than Cupid has arrows. This lovely bundle comes equipped with the best tools needed when freshening up for a night on the town and a date night with your young lady. So once again, that is code LFW20 for 20% off and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com. Fellas, look after your balls both on and off the golf course in February. Let's get into this 7k range then. I have got uh, one at 7800 I like. I've got uh, one at 7400 that I really, really like. And then I'm kind of sort of nonplussed about a few of them. So who are your guys that you like in the 7k range? I'm shocked you didn't say you like the guy at 7900. I thought for sure you were going to. Uh, Michael Thompson? No, Aaron Rye. Aaron Rye. No, 
I am so. Uh, I don't get excited about Aaron Rye, right? Like, I just. I know he's playing well and he's kind of proven me wrong in terms of I thought he was going to struggle on the PGA Tour. Uh, and he's been pretty solid, right? Like, he's finished 15th at My Cobra, 19th at Houston, 16th at the RSM. And he was great last week for, for a long period of time, finished 6th at Tory Pines, where I just don't think he can play well. So I didn't expect that at all. But to me, like, how much did that take out of him last week? Like, how much. And then, and then he comes to a cause where he's like, right, this fits him perfectly, get him in. And that just feels like somewhere that it's just... It happened to me with Tom Hoagie at like Sony um, mm. and things like that. Like you think it just, it's an ideal fit and all of a sudden it's like 7900 7, and you think that's a great price. So does a lot of other people, I'm assuming. And then and he goes and he kind of misses a cut for you. Yeah. I I mean, that's a little scary now that you say it, but I was I was looking at it in the, um, the aspect of he played great at last week at Torrey, which is a place he shouldn't play well and he did yeah. anyway. So... Now he's coming here, and he should have an even better week. I bet him at ninety to one, um, and maybe that's probably the, could be the better play. But it's just like you know he's going to find all the fairways. Um, he he hit it, and irons really aren't a strong suit, but he hit it really well last week. And and putting isn't really a strong suit as much. And um, he putted pretty well last week. And I think greens and regulation are obviously one of the biggest stats here that you're looking at. And in his past five events, he he's, he's averaging um, three and a half strokes on the field gaining three and a half strokes in the field on greens and regulation. Um, and the fact that he sniffed contention last week and he kind of got a taste of it, he didn't play well uh, down the stretch, but the fact that he got a taste of it, I think maybe make him a little battle tested if he gets that chance again. Uh, and obviously I think class of player, he's above some of these other guys and uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to play him. It's one of those things, right? That you said there, like his irons is not really his forte and his putts is not really his forte. And then you start thinking, well, what, what is his forte, right? And you think he's, he, he doesn't hit it long off the tee, so he's, he's short, doesn't hit his irons great, and and he putts averagely. And and actually, when you look at him in the European tour, like he's a he's a real grinder and he scores really well. And I think he's mentally he's, he's really strong. Like I know he didn't show that particularly down the stretch of Torrey Pines, but that was a huge event for him to to sort of contend at. And I think. He probably woke up thinking I shouldn't be contending on this golf course. So um, I think that was an outlier performance. I don't I don't expect to see Aaron Rye finish top ten at Torrey Pines multiple times in his career. Like it's not like a Zalatoris where I thought I'm going to go straight back to the world with him. I think I'm going to look at that and go Aaron Rye shouldn't have done that, which which could just be wrong. I, I think I've got a little bit of a bias against Aaron Rye. I just I always think that he outperforms what I expect him to, and that's a great trait to have, by the way. Like if you can just go to somewhere where people don't expect you to play well. It just worries me. Like, like a Fitzpatrick, right? Like Everyone would have thought that Fitzpatrick would play well here in the past and it's like miscut 60th. And I just think that if that can happen to Fitzpatrick, it can probably happen to Rye. That said, mm-hmm. the 90-1 to 1 I think is great. Like, from a from just a value perspective, like where he is in the world rankings, where he has been in current form, the core suitability, suitability potentially, like it makes perfect sense. So yeah, I would be a better of anything, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to fade him. I don't think you need to fade him, right? But I just... I just going to jump off of him. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm on him, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> that could be like a, a little showdown between us there. We don't normally yeah, go, yeah. go that um, you know opposite, so it'll be interesting to see how he does. I hope it works out. Um, so let, let's before yeah. we go on, let's see what's a, what do you consider a successful week, so we know for next week we can revisit who won this uh, top twenty. Um, yeah, like, I think he's top twenty. Like I think okay. if he if he, he top twenties, that's fine. Um, you know, yeah. I, I yeah. think it's a great week. For okay. Him, so. Um, All right, that's good. Lucas Glover. I I hate playing Lucas Glover. I don't really get why I'm 
currently now excited about Lucas Glover. But he just has some really decent rounds here. Like he's got a bunch of kind of like 66s, 68s, 67s. Like that's really solid. A lot of it's on sort of the tougher layouts of Spyglass Hill. So I like that. I think that he can gain strokes in a in a tough part of the event if he gets a, a little bit tougher. That suits him to the ground, right? And you look at his results, 33rd, 5th, 35th. I think he's just like, that's the last three starts for him. And then you just like look at his form here in the past. He's just, he's been steady. It's just... He's not someone to get excited about, is he, Lucas Glover? Like, as much as he's like... This is a, this is a guy that's a major champion, and, and he never gets remembered in that way. Um, but he does the things that I like to succeed here. Yeah, his irons, when they get hot, are just pretty much as good as anybody. Um, you know, my only, I guess, concern here is, like, look at the guys who have played well in this consistently and have won this event. All of them are good putters, pretty much all of them. Yeah. And he's pretty much as bad as it gets when it comes to putting. And you just know he's going to miss some shorties. Um, but, you know, with that being said, he doesn't have to win the event. It, he, you never know when his, when his iron weeks are going to come. Like, two, at Sony, he gained nine strokes on the field on, on approach, and then he go, comes to Amex, which I thought would be a better event for him than Sony, almost like we talked about. It was almost too obvious, and he he played okay, I guess, came in the, you know, 33. He was there, and he had a bad Sunday. But he didn't really do with the irons like we expected him to do. So, and he's, he's going to be somewhat popular as well. I think a lot of people are thinking um, the same way. And it's just, at this place, I just picture guys who can get with a, get hot with a putter, and he pretty much just can't. Yeah, no, I take all that on board, and that, that's kind of the sort of things that worry me. Uh, I think I will play him, but I just won't get too heavily invested. Um, and then the other guy that I have suddenly really liked is Ched Reevy, and I don't think I'm going to be alone in that, so I don't think it's a sharp play by any means, but... You know, this is a guy that contended when it, the US Open was here, so you know he can play uh, the main course well. And he's just like just got sneaky good rounds here, um, or maybe not even even sneaky, right? Like the last three starts here: 16th, 25th, 38th, and a second uh, before that. But when you go to like he was 26th um, back in 2016, I think it was. He shot like a 63, like opening round, like. That's the sort of thing you want from someone of his ability. Shot 67, 66 to open when he missed the cut in 2015, uh, and then shot 78 to miss when he was 62nd. He went, um, you know, he just had some a decent round. He had a 68 uh, in the third round. So even when he's sort of missing cuts or finishing low down, like he, he's kind of breaking 70 with ease. So it's just he just needs to get hot, and and he's the type of person who can just do that any time. He could, he could. Uh, just a, a bit concerned with. He's not really in form right now. He's not playing that well, and he's still going to be very popular because I think everyone's thinking the same thing. But, you know, American Express, you'd think, would be a great event for him, and he missed the cut. And then 70th at Farmers, which, again, we're not too concerned about. But, you know, when he's in form, he's gaining four or five strokes a week on approach because he's not a very good putter. And for him to play well, he has to get those hot irons, and he hasn't done it in... I don't know, since September um, at you know at Fortnite. Um, so for me, it's like a guy you can see it coming with. I think he usually is a guy you can see it coming with, and I don't see it coming. So I think like so to, to sort of counter that a little bit is like RSM. He was uh, you know 26th, open for 63, close for 66. Um, you know just because of the incredible scoring that week, he kind of didn't have 
uh, better finish now. He kind of had like middling results of like 41st at Houston, never really had a low round, but that was a kind of high scoring week. Like uh, tied 33rd in Mexico, he had bookend 66s. Um, so he's just getting hot at like, and it's individual rounds, and maybe that's, that's a slight concern. But to me, like Pebble's just one of those ones where if you can get hot, you can stay hot, and they're all short courses. No, like it's not like a Tory Pines where he's got to go and face a brute of, of the South Course. It's not like the Amex where, you know, you've got three courses that are just like you have to just putt, 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 putt. Like these, I think you can, you can not have to be the hottest passer on the field this week and still like succeed. And I think that's something that I'm sort of back in my mind with Chesri. Really. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. I know. When he gets hot and he's very tough, I think back to that Travelers back in 2019 when um, I I was on Keegan that week and I think he was, they were in the final group together and it was just like when he gets on, he's just putting everything in the four feet and there's nothing you can do about it. And when I can see that happening, you know, last year at Pebble, he gained seven strokes on approach. So I think, you know, I think definitely makes sense. And I, I said you can see it coming and I guess I could be wrong in that because he did, he was coming off two missed cuts and he gained seven strokes on approach at pebble and finish in 16th so so yeah i i think it's an all right play if he wasn't popular i'd definitely be there yeah no that, that that's certainly for sure who are your guys in the 7k range um you know it's funny i just talked about how i didn't want to back glover because he can't putt and i'm going to tell you that i that i like russell knox <laughs> <laughs> um and he can't putt either it's the same at guy, all right? but it's, it's... yeah pretty exactly the same guy he is he's the same guy but you know but he has i think a better course history and uh, I was on him last year here. He has, I think, three top 20s here. Yeah. Um, yeah, three top 15s, actually. Yeah. Uh, 2018, 2019, and then seventh last season. I was on him last last year here. And something about, I mean, on the coast, I think, uh, you know, his Scottish background it really helps him on the coast. I just picture him with his beanie cap and the wind wind blowing at Pebble. I just love him here. And um, it's, it's something that it has to work in your mind's eye, right? And for me, Knox winning at Pebble, I can I can envision that happening. So uh, I'm gonna go. I was at last year's and he finished in seventh, so I can't get off it now. I got to try one more time. So it's like it's one of those things where I look at it and go, right? If you look at his three results, he's kind of done it through steady players opposed to really low rounds. But you go back to 2011, he was the first round leader, shot 64. So he can he can do it. Um, the Scottish thing, I think it's overplayed a little bit because he's basically american like he's just spent mm-hmm. so much time out of there so i'm not saying that you overplay that i think you just like him because you like him but i think the narrative in general um has been that he's like this really good win player and there's not as much substance about that as you would want but um just like when he was 14th like he he never actually broke 68 and so i think it's, it's what you what you want from russell knox right like if you want him to just get you that top 15 top 18 top 20 then he's absolutely fine. If you want guys that can spike, like I, I would, I'd be more surprised if Russell Knox won than Ches Reevy. And that's kind of what I've got in my head. Like I think Ches Reevy can win the tournament. I don't think Russell Knox can. So it just depends what you think the upside is. Like, and I don't know. Like, like we said, you don't, you don't have to get that kind of winning upside at this range. But to me, I still want some. Yeah, if uh, I agree with you, if he. Um... If he wins, it's only because it gets tough. And I know, I know, uh, you know, you're saying it might be more of a, a narrative thing than the actual truth. Um, but in his last 50 rounds, he does rank in the top 10 in, in strokes gain and, and uh, heavy wins. Maybe. So I, 
there there is part part of it that could be true but I, yeah i agree i mean it for him to win it probably has to be a, a windy weekend and the winning score is 12 under right yeah and and then and, of course you're not worried about the really low rounds and the, and the birdie streaks right and that, it just depends how we think the week is going to go yeah yeah totally um yeah, I agree with you too. Like, if you look, Chez could definitely has a better chance of winning in terms of actually winning the event. Um, and I, I'll tell you, the other guy I'm looking at here, who's again getting pretty popular, and what makes and might make me pivot off him is Cooch. Um, yeah. I think he, I think he could definitely win. I can picture him winning. I think he's trending. I think he's another. I think he has another stretch in him where he's going to be the Cooch that we know uh, from pa- from the years past. And he's getting up there in ownership, so I don't know. I might have to pivot off him, um, but. I can definitely see him winning. I think he had that kind of where was it to be back him at Sony that you picked him, didn't you? Right, yep. and that was that, I think that was the week. Like, I think that was the week yeah. that you kind of got like he'd had the win there, and people still weren't you know so keen to go to him. And I think you kind of got the winning ownership and what you wanted out of him that week. And I think now people are going right. You know what people have been saying is right. He has got a little bit of renaissance in him, and when people start catching up with that, it's it's kind of a little bit worrying. So I looked at him, like I've been looking at him for like first round leader and things like that in terms of betting. Like I think his course history here isn't great, but I think it can be better. And he's been playing it, like he didn't play it as much when he was playing his best golf. Like he's played it four of the last five years and he hasn't been great for two of those. So it's, I'm quite happy to push that out the window and, and kind of expect him to play well where he should. And this is it. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a good play as long as the ownership isn't too high. And another guy like that, I imagine Minwoo Lee's maybe getting a little bit popular because everyone just wants to play him now he's come on the PJ Tour. No, he isn't, and that's why wow. I think I'm going to shift to him. I'm going to shift okay. from Cooch to some Minwoo lineups because um, I'm seeing three <laughs> percent. It's, it's, so it's, I think the trouble with the thing that worries me about Minwoo Lee, and this I think I can apply to Chesrevi as well, like. They can definitely miss the cut. Like I think Russell Knox is incredibly safe. I think Cooch is probably safe at this point. And I think if you need guys just to get you through six or six, I'd take those guys. And I think, but I think the winning upside of Minwoo Lee and Chesarevi are there. You know, again, the Minwoo narrative is going to be that he plays well in the wind, and he does. He's, he's played very well in Australia, um, in the Vic Open, and, and you know he's grown up in that sort of environment. So he definitely can do it. I just, I don't know about Minwoo, like. I think we've seen this before that we're desperate for these guys to come over from the DP World Tour and succeed in the PJ Tour very quickly. And I think there's a there's an adjustment period and there's a travelling thing and I don't know. Like it's, it's it's tough. I think it's easier to fly out from where he's been, like in Dubai and things like that, and, and come here. And he, he hasn't played at the start of the year, so maybe that's helped him as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's fine. Like I think I think it's a good idea. I think if that's the ownership, then I think pivoting off to him is good. I just do think there's come sign a miscut risk there. Yeah, there totally is, and you you definitely know a lot more about him than than me. Do you think he's capable of winning it? I mean, I, I I watched the the final round of the Scottish Open. I was on an airplane. I just remember watching it, and I it seemed like the greens were small, and he was really dialed in with the approach, and I could kind of picture it. Um, of this is a, you know a similar type of test, but you would know better than me. So do you think he's capable? One hundred percent. Like he he could win this tournament, and I would go. I expected that. Like, that's his level. Like, we we think he's a PGA Tour player. We think he's a PGA Tour talent. But it's been a... That's a recent thing. Like, if you'd have asked me before the Scottish Open win, 
is he talented? I'd say yes. Do I think he was ever going to be a PGA Tour player before that? No. So it's like he's won the Scottish Open, then he goes 12th at the Italian Open, and then just rip, like rips off this second at um, Valderrama, 8th at the Portugal Masters, 4th in Dubai, 16th at DP World Tour, and it's like, oh, hang on a minute. Like, he's really good. Like, he he's exceptional. And then he plays kind of the 4th at the Fortinet uh, Australian PGA Championship, uh, so he's kind of travelled home, and then he plays Abu Dhabi to... Uh, to start the year with us but even that week like he closed with a 67 so maybe that's a great sign coming into this week and the fact that he's, he missed Dubai uh, last week to travel over is a good sign I just it's such a difficult decision because I I just think he's volatile and I think that's great from a betting perspective um, but slightly worrying from a from a fancy point of view I agree and I, I think the ownership being at 3% is going to be the tiebreaker for me and I'm going to play him Yep, no, I, I can get on board with that. There's, I'm not going to try and talk you out of that one. This is not going to be a, an Aaron Rye situation. Um, so well, f- go, go ahead. I was going to say the last um, thing that I before we set up our last 7K guys is just Neesmith is up to 16%. It's just that's yeah, going to be – I'm just going to have to pivot. I, I liked him, but I'm out. Yeah, I mean, we, we I think we've talked about Neesmith a couple of times, right, and he's coming back to that form and – it's just not been missed, and he's 11th and 16th for the last two starts. There's every reason to like him. Um, I just don't like him any more than some of the other guys around here. Um, Brandon Harkins, I'm pretty sure everyone's going to be talking him up. I'm sure there's a little bit of ownership as what you can get on the sort of 7,100 guy. Uh, but this is a guy that basically did nothing for a long time. Should have had PJ Tour status. He, he kind of qualified for that in 2019, and then COVID happened, and he he missed out on the sort of reshuffle and, and the extended season. But even when he was kind of middling on the PJ Tour, he was 15th and 28th here. Uh, he's won the Pebble Beach Invitational before Christmas. He had a seven-shot lead at one point. Uh, it was just huge down the stretch there, which, again, is not a it's not a tour event, but it's, you know, it's exciting for him. Uh, his coach is the master coach at Pebble Beach Academy, uh, so he's been out here doing that. And... He's just won in the Bahamas. Like he's just won his first event. And it wasn't like he's had to come straight over after winning on a Sunday. That finished midweek, right? It was it was a weird schedule for it. So Brandon Harkins would be one of my favourite players at 7,100. Um, I'm out. <laughs> I, there's one reason. I've seen, him, his, I've seen his name too many times on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just... It's one of those things where it's like if everybody loves Brandon Harkins... And, and to be fair, it's not... Showing in the ownership as of now, it's still looking like five six percent, which and, is very and, which is and fine. that's what my thing my thing is is it like we're just seeing his name a lot and people are going to bet him, but people aren't getting on him and, and we think we're going to have to fade him because of ownership and it turns out he turns up at six percent and he didn't need to at all and he was actually just a smart play. I I think you're probably right. It could be and you know what I might play him a little bit because of what you just said. I I saw the name too much, but I didn't go in depth and you know I know. He, I didn't know all that stuff kind of you said. I knew a little bit. I knew we had some history at Pebble, but I wasn't sure exactly. It does make some sense, especially coming off that win. Um, and he's much lower than I thought he was going to be. I was just prepared to see like 11% and I was going to be an easy fade. But now that now that I'm seeing, you know, it's, it's he's actually going a little bit overlooked on DK, I think. And I need a guy in that range. Um, I, I'm with, I, agree, I agree that it's probably a good play. The one guy I'm going to go to who I like better than um, Neesmith and Harkins and you see uh, Nick Taylor generating a lot of ownership, which is kind of crazy to me, uh, just because he won. But I'm going to Pat Perez. Yep. Yep. Like. I thought he was he was uh, great last week. He was and he has the history. He has 
He was fourth here in 2015. He was 14th in 2017. He played pretty good last year, 26th. And then last week he finished in sixth place and uh, gained 5.2 strokes on approach. And if there's a place where an older guy can compete, Pebble Beach is definitely one of those places. Uh, we saw it kind of with Vaughn Taylor. I can see him taking a similar path, getting hot with the putter. Um, he ranks 16th in strokes gained putting on fast POA greens. Uh, and he's 17th in strokes gained total at Pebble Beach in his last 24. He's from the West Coast. Uh, and I can just, again, I can picture it. And he's a guy who, who does show form coming. You know, we talked about that with a couple other guys. Yeah. He is, he, you know, when he starts playing hot, he's going to get hot for a stretch. So I think he's going to continue it this week. And just a guy that I think would just love the Pro-Am thing. Like, I know that I think it can matter who he gets, but I think he likes being the guy in the group that people want to talk to, that kind of show off a little bit, entertain people. I think he likes that sort of thing. So a lot of narrative-based stuff there. But, um, yeah, I like Pat Perez. I think I think he was incredible last week. I think that was a really good thing to see him sort of show up. And a couple of missed cuts here versus, what is it, like nine, ten missed, uh, made cuts over the last ten years uh, is pretty impressive. So um, I like that. The the ownership that we talked about that's not with Harkins at the moment we expect it to be, is that all gone to Grayson Sig? Good question. Um, what's his price, Grayson Sig? 7000 7,000 um, Sig is about 9%. So, yeah, that's pretty high for a guy at 7K flat. So, there's just so many reasons to like Grayson Sig. And, and, like, I kind of spoke to a couple of people in sort of DMs about him. And um, I was quite happy to go in on the betting thing. And I think this is a little bit like an Aaron Rye thing. Like I feel there was some value there. And then all of a sudden, he was the person that was being banded about. Like, you just look at everyone's betting cards and it's, it's Grayson Sig. Um, and it and it's warranted. Like he is just a guy that that is expected to play these courses well. Like when he first come on, I don't think we really knew what his course was going to be. Like we, we assumed based on some of the things that we heard and some of the places he's played well in the Corn Ferry. But we're starting to really see what he is. I mean, he's been twelfth over the last fifteen weeks in strokes gain approach. Uh, he won the Carmel Cup here as an amateur, which again I don't want to put too much stock into amateur events, but. That's a, a nice thing to see. He was 22nd at the Wind Effect of Bermuda, 33rd at Mike Cobra. We had a 64 in the final round. And then he just had that 25th at the Amex. And that just gave a, a lot further confidence. Like it's on the Power Greens, three courses, Pro-Am format. 34th at Tory. Like it's not a course that you expect him to, to compete on based on, on what we've seen him so far. And I just thought that all kind of lent itself to really performing well here. But I think everybody's kind of seen that as well. Yeah, um, as you were talking there, I've been looking for his odds to miss the cut, and I'm going to bet that. <laughs> uh, and obviously, you know nothing against you, but I just there's way too much grace and sig love, and the people who, you know, they think it's a sharp comment to say he's going to play well here, and every single person agrees with you that it's no longer sharp; it's kind of square. So it was, I'm, it was, I will it was bet it because oh yeah. It, I, was that you who tweeted that and said uh, I thought it was going to be a, like a yeah. sneaky play or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm going to bet on Mr. Cut. Yeah, it was one of those ones where like, I was in um, spaces with Rick Gaiman maybe last week or the week before. Um, it was the week before. I think it was at Amex. And I said, like, I think we're just forgetting about Grayson Sig. Like, we, there was all this kind of love for Alex Smalley and, and Hayden Buckley with Mr. Cut at Amex and, and all of these guys that have come up. And there was a lot of love for Adam Svensson and like everyone just wanted to jump on these guys and I was like hang on a minute like Grayson Sig won twice last year like Chad Ramey was very popular for good reason and I was like yeah this guy Taylor Moore was popular and I was like Grayson Sig's just going so 
under like appreciated and he's done nothing but you know he had a couple of missed cuts but generally speaking he's you know he's 47th 22nd 33rd 42nd 25th 34th so you know what does this guy need to do to to kind of make him a play and then i think everyone's caught up in that so um again i don't care how many people bet on him that's absolutely fine i've got the odds i wanted to when he came out um but for dk i guess i'll just have to uh to give him a miss but um anyone the top part comes here yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good in the 7k i'm thinking about six has been difficult for me yeah yeah i i don't know what to do man like i think i want to play jimmy walker at 6700 um he's shown some good stuff uh of late and he just has these like really like really good rounds just everywhere like he's at a 66 and a 63 um uh, Monterey peninsula he's a couple of 66s at pebble beach also had a 63 there in 2016 you know he's won the event all that it is with jimmy walker is health um and the, the problem with him is like a lot of his issues with his health are linked to fatigue and they're long rounds so that's a concern but i would take a chance on him at 6700 uh, i won't i'll jimmy walker here in my opinion is kind of he was good then yeah all these things that we're saying he did well and he sucks now so no thanks <laughs> um <laughs> no i get it like but i think to me like I, I just got that thing in my head that you know we talk about guys that like they just disappear because of injury um and, and then they suddenly come back like a jason day like, i know he's, he's not in that level whatsoever but like he did win a major championship at a similar sort of time I actually beat him in one of them um i just i think it's all just if he feels good on the week and he's healthy then he'll play well like sanderson he shot 66 second round uh, Shriners, he shot four rounds at six, uh, three rounds of 68 or better, 24. Then he had a sort of horrible run of missed cuts. Just made the cut in Hawaii, shot 66 second round. Um, and then just at Tory, right? Two or three rounds of 70 or better. Obviously, one of those being on the north course is, is nothing special. Even like a 75 on the final day, like that's probably a, a, an unsuitable golf course catching up with him in the end. Um, and, and maybe just a little bit of fatigue there. So. <sighs> I don't know. Like it, it's one of those ones where like, I don't feel confident about anyone down here, so I might no. as well take a, take a chance on a guy that I think has got a lot of form here. And there's another couple of like one at 6600, and maybe even one further down. But who are your guys at 6k range? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna eat my words here because I'm just gonna name a couple other guys who are pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of a guy who once was okay and now is not, I I don't know why I'm looking at Aaron Badley a little bit. Yeah. Um, he can get the hot putter on the West Coast. It's just something I can just picture it. Um, and then, which I don't know, you can talk me out of him. And then um, one guy I'm definitely going to avoid is, um, who was I going to say I was going to avoid? Uh, Ekro. He's getting a lot of ownership, way too much for the 6K, so I'm going to have to avoid him. And he hasn't really been playing all that well. But uh, And then the other guy I'm looking at is Sun Yul No. He has an eighth place here back in 2017, and yeah. he kind of playing sneaky okay. Yeah, so something you'll know is going to be, this is going to be a little bit of a, a spoiler alert if, if the, the article doesn't come out before the podcast, which it probably won't. He will be, if he's on uh, Spyglass Hill, he will be my uh, first round leader bet because he's been the, the, the best scorer on Spyglass Hill in two of the last 10 years um, and just played well in, in general at this course. And sneakily just had some decent starts recently, right? And it's, it's kind of come out of nowhere. Um, Aaron Badley... A little bit like Jimmy Walker, I suppose, just isn't good anymore. But yeah, yeah. he has made five straight cuts. 
four of them being on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, they're spread out. They're not, you know, not a lot of them recent. They had a 30 tip to 40 net, 51st at the Bahamas. But you've seen it right. Like even even two years ago he was 25th here. You know, two years before that he was 55th, and you don't you don't need uh, you know much out of him at this kind of price tag. Is he a guy that I think can go and do birdie streaks and, and shoot a 64 or 65? Probably not anymore. And that would be why I just don't need to bother. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, I feel really smart now about saying Sun Yul No, knowing that you, you were looking at him for first-round leader. Yeah. So I'm going to – I think I'll do – you know, there's two schools of thought here. One is the 6K guys. You want to spread them out in case one of them can't torpedo you. But the other thing is play one or two of them in case you get them through. Then all of a sudden you have a bunch of lineups that are live. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, wh- where do you fall into that? I, yeah, it, I I try and just avoid it. Like, I'm just so worried about playing here uh, altogether. But yeah, I think for me it would be what you said, right? Like just take that chance, um, get them through, and, and and no, I think is is a perfect part for that. And the other guy, I think I, I kind of read one of your articles there, and I think you've mentioned him uh, for something. Is Scott Brown? Like, Scott mm-hmm. Brown is a guy that I've kind of been looking in the first round leader market as well. Uh, just because he he pops, uh, where is it? Monsnay Peninsula. He he plays some good golf, and I think just having people that can take advantage of that. He shot 62 there in round three in 2015, and even as recently as 2020, he shot 67. Um, so for me, I just want a guy that can can go low, and he is one of them. Uh, hasn't done it regularly, obviously for for a long long time. Um, but the last time we saw him on the PJ Tour, he he made the cut at the Bermuda, right? Yeah, and he, he's like, you know, you like Kisner this week. He's kind of uh, Kevin buddy. Kisner. He does yeah. same courses well. They do all the same things well. So if you like him, it makes sense. He's kind of the uh, Walmart version. The best thing that could ever happen for us this week is that they get partnered together because uh, they're good friends. Um, I think they probably have quite similar outlooks on life. And, uh, yeah, I think that would be yeah. a smart play. Yeah. Um, I kind of looked at Nate Lashley a little bit. I thought that was interesting. Um I don't really know why, and that's what worries me about the 6K range. I just see guys and think, hmm, they could work. Um, and that's why I try not to focus too much attention. But do you have any thoughts on Nate Lashley? Well, he was in the mix, was it last year or two years ago? Maybe two years ago. Something yeah, he like. was. He, he popped up here, and he was playing well. I think he was in the maybe in the final group. No, it was last um, year. Yeah, he was fifth last year. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. that's. I mean, if you, there's not much to go on down here. That's one of the things. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, one I'll tell you, I'll tell you was, why yeah. he came up in my thinking is because, again, it's the first round leader thing. So he had uh, 67 in round one three years ago and a 65 last year. So uh, and even had a shot at 68 on the third round. So when you see it kind of peppered around different golf courses, um, yeah, maybe Nate Lashley is a, is a bit of a play. It's just, <laughs> it's just when you hear Nate Lashley and I want to play him in the same sentence, uh, you start to get concerned, right? Yeah, and one other guy I was looking at was Jared Wolf. I he was 33rd at Amex. Uh, he played pretty well. He missed the cut last week, but I wasn't too concerned with it. Um, I thought maybe this could be a spot for him. Yeah, yeah, I like that. The other guy I looked at was uh, Kurt Kitayama. I think he's someone that has upside, like, and it's not showing right now, which is an obvious reason to avoid him. But shot 67 at the RSM, then had a terrible round to miss the cut. Just missed the cut at the Sony. Um, but he wasn't good at the Amex, and he wasn't good last week, which kind of puts me off into into recent form. But um, it's just it's just one of those things, right? That, like we've mentioned, sort of like Song Yeon No, and like 
that feels like a decent play, like in the 6K range. He he's just been steadier than probably people think. Um, you know, he's he's kind of plodded his way around uh, some made cuts over the last three starts: 30th for Muda, 67th for the Amex, 74th last week, and I don't mind that. Like he was 60, he shot 68 in round two. He's going to come out onto a course that he actually does enjoy. Uh, even going back to slightly earlier on the Corn Ferry Tour, he had sort of like back-to-back top 28. So to me, there's just something. I don't, I don't want to say he's found something because that's kind of ridiculous, right? Like he's still finishing down in the kind of lower echelons of the leaderboard. But when someone in the low 6Ks is actually showing any signs of life uh, and he has a history of playing well on this golf course, it's uh, certainly worth playing. You know, I haven't seen anyone else mention Sung Yul Nam. Before I got on, got on with you, I just wrote uh, my best DraftKings play from each range for a WRX and I picked him in the 6Ks. And then hearing you say that, I think you and I are the only people in the world on Sung Yul Nam this week. So. I think I'm going to go bet him as like a top 20 or something too, just in case. I'd love to say confidently that it's a good island for us to be on. Um, it's probably not going to work out that way. But it's uh, it's interesting. Like it's, that's what you want to do, right? You want to find a guy that no one else is on. Like there, there is just people that like... I don't even know who would get like love in this kind of range. Like would it be like... I know Scott Kaczewski kind of sticks out to people because he hits the irons well. And I think like Kelly Craft has played well here in the past and things like that. Like, I think people if they were desperate, would go down to there. Um, one guy I will mention sort of before we sort of cut off here is John Murphy. Is uh, over here on an invite. He's from the DP World Tour. Uh, spent a lot of time mainly on the Challenge Tour last year, but he finished ninth at the Dunhill Links, which is obviously, you know, one of our sort of uh, signature events. And he was good for, for a long period of it. He, he lit himself down in the final round. I think he even may even have topped one. Um, which you never want to see. Um, but he backed that ninth place, finished up with a, a 24th for the Open Espana. Then he was third again in the Challenge Tour before he came out. And I just think that if he's managed to talk himself into an invite in this event, um, that's obviously a massive bonus. And I would just like to see how he played because I think there is some upside on him. He's not he's not a young guy. I think he's he's sort of in his late 20s. Um, he's just someone that hasn't... He's only recently... T- I think he was playing Walker Cup golf like late on uh, i need to kind of look more into him in terms of his actual profile but i'm pretty sure he was he was a late bloomer so yeah i'm, I'm interested in john murphy i think there's there's something to uh, to see in him i like that you're you know pulling out these type of guys that no one really is going to play i'm not gonna lie to you i have no idea who john murphy is so in fact that's all i can add in fact, on that i'm one. doing him a massive disservice <laughs> he is actually only 22 years of age um so i oh, think okay. i think that and that is kind of when I think like he's slightly older and it's coming into the professional game later, that just says what where golf is at the moment, right? Like I think we're expecting people to come out at 19, 20, 21. Like you think like Akshay Batia now is winning on the Corn Ferry Tour at like 19 years of age, and you're like, okay, well everyone else is behind now. You know, Victor Hovland and you know Corin Morikawa are two and three in the world, and they're 24 and 25, and you think, oh, what's this guy doing at 22? Um, so no, no, he he's a you know Walker Cup guy. Um, I think he went to. I want to say it was like Louisville or somewhere like that um, for college. So, yeah, I think there's there's something to like about John Murphy. So I think he's worth uh, playing down here at 6,300. I like that. They're going to be definitely under the radar. So uh, I might think of throwing him in there, and I'll thank you next week if it plays all right. Yeah, don't don't hate me if he misses a cut. Um, (laughs) Let's kind of recap our um, best plays. So I think are we kind of in agreement that if we're going to play him in the 10K and above, it's going to be Patrick Cantlay? Yes, I'm, I'm going to be playing him. Yep, uh, 9K range, favourite golfer? Uh, Rose. I like that. I'm going to go with Kevin Kisner in that range. 
Uh, 8K? 8K, uh, Lanto Griffin. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I also just want to see what the upside of Ches Revy can be this week. 7K? I'm going to go the Prince of Pass Pal and Pat Perez. Ooh, yeah, no, I like that. I think, I think that's going to be... I don't know if it's a sneaky play because I think people just see him from last week and 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 want to jump on, but I don't think he's he's certainly going to be uh, too popular. Mine would have been Grace and Sig, uh, but for that ownership, so maybe going to Brandon Harkins now in the seven k range, and in the six k range, are we are we just riding Song Young No and, and hoping for a great week? Absolutely. I mean, I've been scrolling right now looking for top twenty odds. I can't even find any, but I'll find something. I'm going to do something with them. <laughs> let's uh, let's ride Song Young No. That maybe might be the title of the. Uh, of the podcast this week but uh matt as ever thank you very much for your time uh i know we've had a busy schedule and this has been uh you know a later start than normal but i think it's been beneficial right to start it on a tuesday uh maybe just had a chance to kind of dig in a bit further you know something you'll know wouldn't be a guy that i would, would have looked at if it wasn't for first round leaders sort of research and even like scott brown as well like, i'm just looking for long shot guys that have, that have been you know shot low rounds here and, and those two guys turned up so um i think it's actually beneficial to start on tuesday yeah, I agree. The only you get the better ownership numbers too. So maybe something to think about moving forward. Um, but we'll make those decisions as we go on. But thanks again, Matt, and uh, all the best for next week. Mm-hmm.